0: Uh, Good evening to you and the warmest of welcomes to The Richie Allen Show, to yourself. I hope uh, all is well in your world. It's Tuesday, the 17th of January, 2023. I'm Richie Allen. I've got two very interesting guests lined up for you today. You, of course, can participate in the programme by simply leaving a message for me on the website, richieallen.co.uk, where it says, Comment Live. So comment live then, let's do today's program.
1: It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show, live from the magnificent city of Salford.
2: It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host... Richie Allen yeah, it is your host Richie
0: Allen I will be joined this hour by Kimberly Isherwood you might remember as last year four mothers came together to sue the Welsh government why well because of proposals by the Welsh government to make religious and sex education lessons compulsory for children as young as three Kimberly Isherwood chairs the campaign group Public Child Protection Wales, PCP Wales. She'll be on the programme this hour. And later on, the man behind the truthjihad.com, the broadcaster and academic Kevin Barrett, returns to your Richie Allen show for the first time in 2023. And Kevin and I are going to run down the biggest news stories of the day and of the week, and maybe even... Of the year so far, so Kim Isherwood and Kevin Barrett, the guests on Tuesday's Richie Allen show, with with well with Richie Allen, yeah, myself, you're right, Jar, I'm not too bad. I've made one or two changes. I have new cans on. I'm one of those guys. I'm I really am one of those guys. Change doesn't suit me at all. No, no. I've had the same haircut for years. I wear the same clothes: hoodies, jeans, trainers. I don't do change. I like me just the way I am. It's how I like me now the u k government has formally blocked legislation passed by the Scottish Parliament to change the well let let let, let this is this is big news. I'm really excited about this. <laughs> Should I be excited about this? The gender recognition act in Scotland now the u k government has formally blocked legislation passed by Nicholas Sturgeon the first minister and the Scottish parliament you see people in Scotland have always been able well not always but since 2005 2005 they have been able to change their legal gender from male to female or vice versa but Nicholas Sturgeon wanted new rules to come in to lower the minimum age they can do this uh, that age lowering from 18 to 16. She also wanted to remove the requirement for a medical diagnosis of gender dysphoria. Right? Yes? And basically an applicant, if Nicholas Sturgeon had her way, somebody who wants to change gender, they will need to live in their required gender for just three months rather than two years. So the Scottish Parliament passed this Nicholas Sturgeon. But Rishi Sunak, the Prime Minister, has vetoed this and said nope. Now, when this was announced this morning, Nicola Sturgeon was in Tesco. She was in Tesco. She was in the Duke Street branch of Tesco in Edinburgh when she heard the news and had what can only be described as a meltdown, luckily enough by the grace of Of God, the baby Jesus, Joseph, and the three kings. A Richie Allen show listener happened to be in the store and managed to record the meltdown. Sturgeon is in Tesco in Edinburgh and learns that Richie Sunak is going to veto her changes to the Gender Recognition Act. Strong language warning get the children out of the room at the speed of light. When she heard the news, First Minister, Nicola Sturgeon.
3: I'm fucking raging, you fucking wankers. Sort that shit out, fucking done my fucking tits in. I nearly set the island on fire. Half the fucking shop was nearly phoning the fucking hospital for me, because they know what I'm like.
0: Half the shop was nearly phoning the hospital for Nicola because they know what she's like. She went so mad that she then attacked the store manager over where or which aisles Tesco chooses to place condiments. She properly lost it. Just just listen.
3: Vinegar is next to fucking salt and paper. It's no next to virgin fucking oil. I don't give a fuck what your fucking manager says or what your fucking big hierarchy at Tesco's. Get your vinegar back next to fucking salt. You see me I come in next month and it's fucking next to virgin oil, there's gonna be a fucking issue. It's
0: gonna be an issue if Nicola Sturgeon goes back into the Duke Street branch of Tesco in Edinburgh and... The vinegar is still next to the virgin olive oil.
3: Get your vinegar back next to fucking so. You see me I next month and it's fucking next to virgin oil, there's gonna be a fucking issue. There's gonna
0: be an issue. Nicola Sturgeon there. Now, thankfully, two hours later, she had calmed down somewhat and had this to say to the BBC about Rishi Sunak's decision to veto and strike down her gender reform bill. Nicola.
4: This bill, passed by two-thirds of MSPs, remember, across all parties, doesn't give a trans person a single additional right that they didn't have before this bill. It simply it takes an existing process and makes it less inhumane, traumatising, for trans people. So this is a UK government that sees an opportunity to stoke a culture award, I think wrongly, and I think they're very misguided and mistaken about that, but in doing so, undermining the Scottish Parliament and we will defend it.
0: Now, they're going to defend it. They're going to go to court, according to Nicola Sturgeon. Much calmer there, wasn't she? Than she was when she was in Tesco. Get your
3: vinegar back next to fucking so. You see me come next month and it's fucking next to virgin oil. There's gonna be a fucking issue. You
0: can't have vinegar next to virgin olive oil. I don't know if anybody has told Nicholas Sturgeon. This is what supermarkets do. It's what they do to make you go round and round and round and round. And when you're going round and round and round, because the things that should be next to the things that should be next to, that they should be next to, are never next to the things they should be next to so that you will impulse boy. Somebody tell the Scottish First Minister that. Thanks again to the listener for being on the ball there. It is... It is Tuesday's Richie Allen Show. All right, then. That wasn't Nicholas Sturgeon, just in case the lawyers are listening. Seriously, though, was the UK government right to step in? Is Rishi Sunak right to step in? Well, Maya starter from Sex Matters spoke to Julia Hartley Brewer on talk radio this morning was the government right
5: yes i think they did i mean the 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 scotland act includes um these provisions to make sure that the devolution works and um this is one of those situations where the uk government should step in because scotland has legislated in a way that will have adverse effects on legislation affects the whole of the UK. The whole of the UK and the UK Parliament did not vote for self-ID, but this would bring in self-ID by the back door and that would have adverse impacts, particularly on the Equality Act, but also on freedom of speech. And those are issues for the whole of the UK, not not for Scotland. Um, But also, I mean, at the same time, uh, the Education Secretary here has said she thinks that children should be able to change their legal sex at 16.
0: Right, that was my for-starter. That's right, Gillian Keegan has said as such... Gillian Keegan, the Education Secretary, has indeed gone against her own government and said that they should be. Children should be allowed to change gender aged 16. What
4: I said was we were going to publish guidance on this and then we were going to have a long consultation because it's a tricky area and we need to make sure we get all of the views. Parents, children, teachers, other stakeholders. So that's what I said. Then, then I was asked you know, whether I uh, thought I could make decisions at 16. I said yes. I'd actually left school and started work uh, full-time at 16 so I was making decisions at 16 I was even making decisions on behalf of a business of mine but of course not all 16 year olds are the same and that's why it is tricky we do need to consult and we do need to make sure that we support children during what's quite a difficult teenage years and also to support them um, you know as, as they gain into adulthood But, you know, what I haven't said is, and then I said, we will consult on this. And that's exactly what we would do. do. But do you you believe, as Nicola Sturgeon clearly does, that the men who are with no medical intervention, no treatment whatsoever, who believe that they are living in the wrong body, have gender dysphoria, uh, or claim to have in some cases, um, that men should be allowed into female and women-only spaces like changing rooms, toilets, girls' schools, uh, women's prisons, women's refuges? Do you think they should? No, and this is one of the difficult bits, right? How do you get um, protect the rights of women, and particularly vulnerable women who need these safe spaces? How do you protect those at the same time as, as... They're competing rights to some degree, which is why it is tricky and why we have to consult on it.
0: Right, Gillian Keegan there, Education Secretary. It is tricky. Men who identify as women shouldn't have carte blanche access to female-only spaces, but... Keegan thinks 16-year-olds should be allowed to legally change their gender. The time is ten and a half minutes past five. It's Tuesday's Richie Allen show. And this made me laugh then. This is a this monologue is a bit Talk TV heavy, but I, I did pick up some funny clips on Talk TV. Um, on this subject, and we'll leave it here, a trans person, a podcast host called Frida Wallace, uh, is gutted that the... Prime Minister is going to overturn this and prevent Scotland introducing this legislation. So this is trans person, a podcast host, Frida Wallace, and you will hear on this clip Frida Wallace being opposed by the four woman Scotland co-director Susan Smith. That should be four women Scotland co-director Susan Smith. It kicked off rightly. You'll hear the trans person first. This made me laugh today.
4: The thing is with me, I I I came out when I was 17 years old, and due to social pressures, I went back in the closet. If I'd have had the option of being supported by the government, if I'd felt there was a climate of inclusion and that people were welcoming, I would have come out sooner, and I would hate for young people to feel like they can't express themselves. Nobody's saying you're going to go down a medical pathway. Nobody's saying children are going to go and, you know, have any sort of... Me- it's very difficult to legislate for that. But we have to trust that the parents of those children are on board with that okay so,
2: susan do you i mean do you really believe that suddenly lots of boys are going to suddenly at sixteen young men, if you want to call them that, are suddenly going to start self identifying as women, almost out of nowhere. Why, why would, as Frida said, you know, if you if you are trans and you know that within you, a piece of paper is going to make no, you're not going to suddenly go, oh, right, now there's a piece of paper. Now I'm a woman. That's not going to happen, is it? <laughs> well,
1: yes, because it
6: is happening. What we've seen is it a 4,000% increase in young girls. Susan, it isn't happening. Infer- um, excuse me, you're doing this again. You always do this. It's very male to try and talk over women. So you,
4: so you're going to you gender me now, this, are you, this, Susan? You're gendering me, Susan. This,
6: Susan.
0: We've seen
4: this shows this shows who you are, sex. Susan. I'm sorry. We this is who are. Girls, you, you are. You're
6: discriminatory. As boys.
0: I shut up, you tart. Let's hear a bit of Susan.
6: And this is about social contagion. It's about so that age girls typically turn to self harm mechanisms, and unfortunately. The social pressures of this. And then there are also on the other side, there are also issues around loopholes because you give people loopholes. And as we know, abusive men will
1: exploit loopholes.
0: Yes, moral panics she's talking about. I got into this last night with a Stuart Whayton. That was on Monday night's programme. Uh, please drop me a line through the website richieallen.co.uk. It seems that we, we are doing a bit better today with the volume of traffic on the site. It is easier to get on. Thanks again, Hayden Hewitt, if you're listening. Diane, who's a transsexual woman. Diane, you must come back on. We must organise that because I'd be really interested in your thoughts and your point, your points, your points of view on this. So we'll, we'll, we'll arrange that, Diane. She says, the gender reassignment pass should be supervised by a specialist for a very good reason, and that is to avoid errors, says Diane. Thanks, Diane. Hi to Donal O'Brien listening in Ireland. How you doing, Donal? abdel says i've recently been thinking more and more that nicholas sturgeon is actually an agent of the british government everything she does seems to damage scotland and make westminster look sensible says abdel that's interesting abdel jilly says good this needs to be blocked, the change to the Gender Recognition Acts is jilly. Children cannot buy tobacco until they are 16, they cannot have sex, until they are 16, they can't drink alcohol, until 18. So where in any sane world is it okay for a young 16-year-old child uh, to be allowed to remove their breasts or take hormones to block their natural puberty? And this, on the NHS... It isn't about devolution, it's about protecting children who are as yet not mentally grown up sufficiently to make such a choice. That's my opinion, says Jilly. That's a brilliantly put post Jilly. Very good, not just because I agree with it. Very well put. Hi to David Keane, hi to Fabrizio, hi to Jane, who's listening in Turkey. How are you, Jane? Hi to Donny, too let's just finish on this whole gender recognition act thing and nicholas sturgeon by me asking you if you listen to me in edinburgh and if you happen to frequent the tesco branch in duke street just for the laugh will you pop in there in the next day or two just to see just to be sure ...that um, Tesco has moved the vinegar away from the olive oil. Get your
3: vinegar back next to fucking so. You see when next month and it's fucking next to virgin oil, It's gonna be a fucking issue. Absol-
0: I want to know. I want you to keep me posted. Okay, enough of the silliness. This is interesting. A new law to ban. This has been going on for about five years. I remember this five years ago when it began. A new law to ban all forms of conversion therapy in England and Wales will include practices aimed at transgender folks, according to the government. So the ban will outlaw attempts to change someone's sexuality or gender identity. So mental health groups, which are not named by the BBC today, are warning that all types of conversion therapy are unethical and potentially harmful. The government had previously said transgender conversion therapy would not be included in the ban, but the Culture Secretary, Michelle Donnellan, said in a written statement the bill would be published shortly and would protect everyone, including those targeted on the basis of their sexuality or being transgender. So, not to put too fine a point on it, conversion therapy, really, well, it's a process that is offered by Often by religious people, to it's a it's 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 a treatment offered to to gay and lesbian and trans people treatment that the proponents say will basically heal them of their homosexuality or their trans identity or whatever. So the government does plan and is moving forward with plans to ban it. Let's listen in to Lauren Moss. She is the BBC's LGBTQ and identity correspondent. I know. That's mad, isn't it? Lauren Moss explaining.
6: Well, just to give you briefly before I come on to that an example of how sort of widespread this is. The government survey in 2018 found that 5% of the LGBT population had been offered conversion therapy. 2% said they'd undergone it, and, and that increased to 4% for the transgender community. Now, reacting to this news about this draft bill being put forward, uh, Stonewall's chief executive has said that they, they welcome it. It's been sort of a, a long time uh, coming, and the government must publish the bill in a time table as, as soon as possible uh, Gallup the anti-abuse LGBT charity uh, say that they they want to, to find more details on it as well and that they urge that the government sort of gets on with this as quickly as possible uh, but not everyone is happy about it um, and like I said there are still some gaps about what it will include around sort of religious practices and and consent and can people consent to conversion therapy and Christian concern have said to us today that they actually think that this ban is about silencing and criminalizing people who question or Pose homosexuality and that it would uh, stop people from seeking change they want to see in their lives, which is a basic freedom. So there's going to be a lot of contention over this going forward.
0: Yes, and there should be contention. Just to be clear about this, in case you are a new listener, it is my belief that homosexuality is perfectly normal It is anomalous, anomalous or anomalous, but it is perfectly normal. It's been around for millions of years. Some people are gay. That is a fact, and there's nothing wrong with it. I I don't believe the state should be stepping in to, you know, to take control of, by way of protecting people, taking control of them and and their own personal journeys by saying, you shouldn't be exposed to this or you shouldn't be exposed to that. I think it's ludicrous, to be honest. You know, most gay people who are offered conversion therapy say, piss off and get out of me face. And those very few gay people who say, all right, I'll give it a go, they soon find out that it's fairly ridiculous. That's just my opinion. It's 20 minutes past the hour. It never stops, you see. This procession, this, I don't know, this this relentless march even to ban everything because somebody doesn't like it. Christians don't believe... We, 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 we I'm not getting into this because we talked about it yesterday. You know, how do I say this? How do I say this? Sincere Christians. Sincere Muslims. Sincere Jews. They believe that homosexuality is a sin. And they always will. And there's nothing you can do about that. Some of them believe that through prayer... And through other methods, they can cure the gay person. They're wrong. But you can't ban this stuff. Argue with me if you think I'm wrong. It's RichieAllen.co.uk. Comment live. I have opinions, some well thought out, some not very well thought out. You've probably learned that. Over the years, you've come to appreciate that. Hi to Jonathan Stone, who's a pal of mine in Aira uh, Nua. How you doing, John? He says, Richie, have a listen to this, he says. He, he sent me a clip from Brendan O'Connor's radio show. He's a presenter on Irish radio, national radio, on Sunday mornings. And Jonathan says, Richie, I think this is the first time that state broadcaster RTE has reported on the excess death numbers. The excess death numbers in Ireland this year. Have a listen to what he says. Uh, he's reading the front page of the Sunday Times is Brendan O'Connor. And then, says Jonathan, he appears to blame or apportion some blame to the excess death numbers, blaming the lack of people getting their second booster. And I think Jonathan is right. This is Brendan O'Connor, Irish radio presenter, speaking on Sunday.
2: Let's have a look at the front pages. Uh, the Sunday Times is leading with uh, excess death rate rivals worst of the pandemic. So this is the uh, analysis that Seamus Coffee of UCC does of RIP.ie debt notices. And uh, they're saying here that there's been a huge spike in the last few weeks in excess debts. They also have, uh, connected or not connected to that, that barely anyone aged 18 to 49 has taken the second COVID booster so far, um, 3% have according to the figures they got up to la- up to last Friday. Mm, isn't that interesting?
0: The excess death numbers off the charts. And next to that is a story about how hardly anyone aged between 18 and 49 has taken a second job. If that is true, by the way, that the 18 to 49-year-olds have largely said feck off Thank you to the offer of a second job that has properly cheered me up. This I didn't need to be cheered up. I'm in pretty good form today, but that is good news. Ma on ma on August on. I should ma nabukeli August nakalini. Well done, good on the boys and girls of uh, God's country there turning down the offer of the second job. This is the Richie Allen show. It's your show. Thanks for listening to it. The time is 23 minutes past the hour. I am going to line up our first guest. Yes, I am. Uh, She will be with me in a moment. Keep those comments coming in to richieallen.co.uk, comment live.
2: Hi there, it's Eamon here from Immunex 365 and I just want to give you a quick update for the new year. We are now in the depths of winter, and due to the lack of adequate sunlight, it is also the time when those of us living in the northern hemisphere have the lowest levels of vitamin D in our bodies. If there is ever a time to give your immune system a boost, it is probably now. Also, I am really happy to be able to tell you that not only have we been able to substantially reduce the price of Immunex 365 since we launched in October last, but we can now supply directly to Ireland. For details of how each of the supplements in Immunex365 are formulated to work together and protect you from colds, flu and other respiratory diseases this winter, just head over to immunex365.co.uk.
5: I am going to be at Comedy Podcast Live from the 27th to the 29th of January at the Kegworth Hotel in Derby. It'll be me and a bunch of other brilliant free speakers who think what they want to think, say what they think, and really don't give two f- what anyone else has got to say about it. So do come along and join us. Phil Zimmerman will be there, Andrew Lawrence, Alistair Williams, Wright said Fred. I can promise you a few things. You will laugh, you will feel better, and you will realise that you're not alone. So do grab your tickets, comedypodcastlive.com. And I very much look forward to spending time with you
7: there.
1: Uncensored. Unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. You are
0: listening to your Richie Allen, the boldiest gammon in town. You can follow me on Twitter these days. As long as I'm up there, I throw the odd tweet or three out. I am at BBG Richie. It is at BBG Richie. Here's a tune. Kimberly Isherwood on the other side of this. From La Bamba. La Bamba. This is Los Lobos. Yeah, 27 and a half minutes past five o'clock. That's La Bamba from Los Lobos. That's a great film if you want to dig out an oldie. 1987, I'm guessing. Lou Diamond Phillips, yes. And La Bamba, the Richie Valens story. This is... um. This is really important, you know. Back in April of last year, we first met Kim Isherwood. Kim is one of four mothers who represent more than 5,000 parents and grandparents. that They started legal action last year to overturn the Welsh Government's plans to make religious and sex education lessons compulsory because the Welsh Government wants to force children as young as three to learn about sex and gender identity. So massive support for Kim Isherwood, who chairs the campaign group Public Child Protection in Wales. And she's back on today to talk about what's been happening since we last spoke. Kim, it's a real pleasure to welcome you back. Welcome. How are you?
8: I'm okay, thanks, Vicky. Thank you so much for this opportunity. It's deeply appreciated.
0: Not at all. Now, as far as the legal case, as far as the the attempt to take the government to court, where is that at the moment, Kim?
8: Well, at this moment in time, we've just lost our judicial review. Um, The judge has said that there are no parental rights um, within the pieces of legislation we've brought forward. Uh, If we did have parental rights, they would be absolutely tiny anyway. So this has been a massive kick in the teeth for everybody in England and Wales. Uh, This judgment means we have no rights, but we are appealing against this, you know, we're not taking this laying down.
0: This is the thing that really irks or annoys or drives people crazy. The idea that the the mum, and listen i'm not I'm not trying to court the, the 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 female listeners, I'm not virtue signaling, but I mean this this is a mother issue as much as anything else, like that that you shouldn't have the rights, Kim, to say, well, actually, my little boy's a bit young to be listening to that. I mean, if you don't know what's good for him, well, how could anybody know
8: well, this is it, they say, and we've got no rights, but who's the best advocate for a child is their parent? So if we have no rights, how can we exercise our children's rights? It's, it is ridiculous, and we're actually talking about children from age thirty-six months, Richie. You know, we're not talking—we're not talking fourteen, fifteen, sixteen-year-olds. We're talking thirty-six months of age. You know, they don't know what colour beaker they want to drink out of,
0: let alone know what gender they are, or 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 anything about same-sex relationships or, or anything like that. Um remind our listeners kim isherwood is on the line from the campaign group public child protection wales you'll find them on twitter and on facebook as well what are the sorts of things that three year old children will be listening to and hearing kim if this well we know this is uh, going ahead what sorts of what are the most egregious things they will hear
8: okay so the most dangerous things of all is the gender ideology and how this plays out in the classroom is the doctor guesses your gender at birth there's this trusted adult thing they're teaching as well where children are supposed to name their trusted adult, not a parent and also this is a massive thing that people aren't aware of they're saying correct terminology for body parts Safeguards. That is an absolute lie. You do not teach a three year old about your scrotum, vulva, vagina, um, testicles, penis. These are words which, when accessed online, you will find porn. These are also words um, that paedophiles like to use to engage in conversation with children. Very, very dangerous. But like I said, those are the three main concerns. The gender ideology, the removal from parents of being a trusted adult and these these words for their genitalia, you know? Can- are they promoting a safeguarding where they got no evidence to support that?
0: Teaching children these terms, these, you know, these terms referencing... Um, You know, sex basically effectively. And you say that if the children go to look for more information on these things on their own, they're going to come up against hardcore uh, pornography pretty quickly. Here's the $64 million question. I asked you this, I think, back in April of last year. Uh, Kim, if it was me, I don't care how I'd manage it. And I, I regretfully, we don't have children. I don't care how I'd manage this. I would homeschool my child. What are you hearing from parents? Are parents speaking yes. about pulling them out?
8: Yes, well, absolutely. Well, this is the government has given us two choices. They, they've given us the option to uh, privately educate or homeschool. But well, we're concerned with that as well, Richie, because here in Wales they go in for a big power grab of home-educated children as well. So they want everybody on a register. They want the parents' CBS checked. And they want these children access in the curriculum regardless. So, we're in a, a bit of a serious predicament here, um, but the schools have been emptied. I know one local authority lost two hundred children um when this first started. Before Christmas, Cardiff lost over 160 families from their schools. Um, we, we, we're we actually achieving something remarkable here. We've got 21 out of 22 local authorities active. You know, the whole country is up in arms. We've united all uh, sexualities, races and religions. We are becoming untouchable and we are united on this common sense purpose.
0: Have you given any thought in all the time you've been campaigning against this as to why this is happening. I, oh we know
8: what we know why this is happening. Why? There's no fault to it. I've I, I've got ten years knowledge on this comprehensive sexuality education. It's sex positive, it's based on sexual rights, and children have the right to consent to pleasurable activities, um, as long as it's voluntary and consensual. We've also seen an investment coming from Scotland into lowering the age of consent. So you'll find the details for that on the feminist declaration, 25th anniversary, section 14A and 14G. We're in a serious situation here, Richie. We really are.
0: Before we continue, I just want to re- remind the, the listeners about how to contact. The website you need to go on, English parents, Welsh parents, Scottish parents, Irish parents, you're going to need to know about this no matter where you are. It's public, yeah. public dot org. It's public dot org. And Kim is on Twitter. It's at Kimberly Tish. So it's at Kimberly T I S H all one word. You'll find her you find her on there. So so there is a very sinister element to this as far as you're concerned, then. People who want to get basically get to younger and younger people.
8: Well- well, this is it. It's supposed to be for teenage pregnancies and STIs, but our comprehensive children, anyone in year eight and above is never going to access this. It's all for year sevens and below. So it's it's immediately the you know, a three year old, where's a three year old gonna get an STI from, Richie? Um yeah. it's it's insane. They go in for the younger ones and the older children seem to be um get, you know, they're not caught up in it. So everything they say doesn't make sense. We've got the evidence to prove what they're up to, and it's just a case of exposing the truth rather than fighting the lie.
0: Do you think sometimes you're dreaming this, you know, that that they're even talking about the need for very young children, children as young as three, to learn about sexually transmitted infections? I genuinely, this is not a silly question, I genuinely ask myself at times, am I actually experiencing this or or is is jeremy beadle going to jump out at some stage and say it's all one big joke this is crazy stuff kim
8: well i don't think people understand that we you know the reason how we know so much is because we're actually looking for evidence to prove ourselves wrong um we wish this was wrong we wish this wasn't happening but I think it's about time everybody faced up to it. Now it is happening, and we do need to respond to it like yesterday.
0: You made you, you made some ver- you made a very interesting point a moment ago. and I have seen some of this online. It has brought communities together, hasn't it? It's brought people from um, Muslim backgrounds together. It's brought Jewish people. It's brought people. Pe- people have forgotten their differences here, haven't they? And come together. Is, yeah, go ahead.
8: Absolutely. And if you've seen us outside the court, what a beautiful feeling! The children were playing as if they've always known each other. There is no division amongst us. We're all there in a common common sense purpose. You know, the media can't put a camera into our crowd and they don't know if they're looking at a lesbian or a Christian. We really have created something amazing here in this country. We have a quarter of the mosques supporting us. You know, they, they actually did an intervention on the court case. So we are achieving something incredible the, the the love in this country is is unbelievable right now. We've got different class people, you know, different races, religions. We're all just coming together and, and we're just moving forward as one.
0: Brilliant news this. Now, um, where are the leading child psychologists? Now, I've had on this programme a couple of years back, I had Molly Kingsley on, um, who campaigned very well on how lockdowns damaged children's lives and left children with problems. Now I know Molly isn't a psychologist but she's a child advocate. Where are the well-known child advocates and where are the child psychotherapists on this because they must think this is bonkers.
8: Yeah well this is it actually being censored in silence so we do have an expert witness on our case Dr Miriam Grossman who is a child psychiatrist from America Who's been experiencing this for some time? So that's been completely overlooked. And um, anybody who's got anything of common sense to say, um, they're being silenced. We, everybody's being censored on this issue. You know, no common sense is allowed. <laughs>
0: uh, and and this this uh, it 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 absolutely grates on me. This because this this is slam dunk. This is genuinely a. You know, I I spend a lot of time, I suppose, lecturing people that things are not black and white; that there are there are complexities. But there's no complexity here. Nobody should be talking to children as young as three, let alone seven, eight, nine, ten, about sex, about STIs. Well,
8: it's, I, th- I think is a massive thing people are missing here as well. And um, people assume that schools are places of safety. Well, actually, schools are institutions. And we do have a massive problem with institutional sex abuse, which we have never, ever addressed Um, and nobody wants to be having that discussion. Well, that's something I'm not keeping my mouth shut on. You know, you you might as well send the children to the Academy of Staville as far as I'm concerned, because the only way you can prove to me teachers aren't getting gratification from any of this would be to wire their brain up so I could read it. Um, I'm just not having it I'm not happy about it and it's not happening these schools aren't places of safety and it's about time we start addressing it you know we're giving we're given uh, strangers we're essentially giving strangers who's part of DBS check free reign over our children and they are protected then by the system that we believe to be safe it's not safe we need to be having these discussions and we can't have these discussions if you're shutting the parents out and hiding things
0: I was just going to jump down I jump all over you there, but you said it yourself so I didn't need to interrupt you. I was going to make the point that teachers are subject to these background checks the DBSU mentioned, it, but you say, that doesn't matter, you say that it is inevitable that if teachers are speaking in these terms to children, it is inevitable that some of them will take some gratification from it.
8: Well, you, you only have to look at the most recent reports by the Independent Inquiry into child sex abuse. You know, sex abuse in schools I quote is an open secret, end quote. That's what the documents say, with over 40% of children being abused, aware of it happening to other people. Now, what people seem to forget here is when you're dealing with sex abusers, one of their tools in their toolkit is secrecy. You're not supposed to know they're committing these crimes. So the DBS is only ever going to pick up a conviction anyway. Let's look at convictions. What are we on? Under four percent of reported assaults that uh, end up in convictions. We've got a we've got a terrible system, a terrible system that cannot support this kind of topic. Anyway, you know. So those are the things we need to be addressed. And before we start bringing these sensitive topics into an environment, which is conductive of a boost.
0: I'm going to agree with everything you said there. If I was teaching primary school children, um, as sure as you are there on our grandparents' graves, I would refuse to take part in these lessons, to speak to children that are not my children to speak about these things, and I would invoke the unions. There's no way I could ever sit down with a child and speak about these things without feeling that I am damaging the child in some way. I agree with that. There's no way.
8: Well, that's it. So what we've got there is we've got um, a large proportion of the staff who believe this safeguard because they've been told it's safeguard. They've been given no evidence for it. They've just been told. We also have a load of teachers, unfortunately, leaving the job. Um, I, I'm really disappointed about that. You know, um, we're losing good staff, we're losing good people, and and it's a it's a crying shame.
0: That's an again, you make a very interesting point. This is going on while the, the teaching profession is losing, mostly losing its ten year and above. Um, um, Teachers basically, very experienced teachers. I was listening to BBC Radio 5 Live this morning and yesterday morning listening to teachers talking about why they're going on strike because of how underfunded education is because of the pressures they are under. And it's the type of people that might very well be in your corner, Kim, who are walking away.
8: We know 68% of teachers don't like teaching sex education in general. That's a huge number. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang
0: on. Where did you get that from, the 68%? Oh, so
8: that came from an article we read back in 2020. I can find the article. Well, listen, no,
0: I'm not calling you you a liar. I just need to know where it came from. Because if that's true, well, I mean, that's phenomenal, isn't it? That's nearly 70%. Yeah, go ahead
8: it might actually be in one of the sex education documents actually but yeah so we know that anyway but what's happening here in Wales we don't have a teacher now teaching a sex education lesson we've got something called the whole school approach so no teacher is going to get away from this it needs to happen in every single subject so you know i don't think the teachers understand that they're going to get away with it and um They've been catching the doctors as much as the parents in their no defense
0: you know no doubt about it it's 16 and a half minutes to the top of the hour you're listening to kimberly isherwood uh, kim chairs the campaign group public child protection wales i've given you the website already uh, get on there four mums representing thousands and thousands of parents have tried to overturn legally overturn the Welsh government's plans to make religious and sex education lessons compulsory uh, for children as young as three. Kim, are there other courts, even outside of this country, that might be that might give you and your campaigners relief? Are there other courts?
8: Oh, we are prepared to take this all the way to Strasbourg anyway. So that's what we want. We, we was not happy with the High Court in Cardiff we believe the higher the court the louder the message so as far as we're concerned this is just part of the process you know we we wasn't even um deterred by the by the loss we expected there we are you know we want to take this the distance the world needs to the world is fighting against us anyway but the world needs to see that we are leading in this fight and wales is the country that's not going to put up with it regardless you know we are not going to roll over So yes, we are hoping to get the Strasbourg
0: court. Can I ask you about something else momentarily while I have you on? I was reading Dr. Katie Musgrave in The Telegraph today. She writes, as you probably well know yourself, she writes regular opinion pieces for the newspaper. And she's written one today that's, it's pretty tough reading really. It's about the isolation and loneliness, loneliness of everybody. But she specifically talks about children in the article about what lockdowns and the fear that was put into children during uh COVID warnings and they could kill granny uh, and now children are you know scared or, or 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 concerned or anxious about the cost of living crisis because their parents are struggling it's been a rotten time for children hasn't it the last few years oh,
8: absolutely absolutely and now you know how how are we going to um fix or support these children while we just fight sex into the equation isn't it you know uh,
0: (laughs) it's horrible it just
8: doesn't make sense does
0: it no it doesn't no and can I ask you in in your own family and in your wider community do you notice a change in the personalities of children and how children are communicating
8: well uh, in my own family in my own community I'm very much because I've been in this fight now for two and a half years I'm very much in a community um, we're all very similar we found each other so we're all pretty much supporting each other our children have got a new life now because they're no longer in the school system so I can only speak on behalf of of the people around me And, and we are doing okay you know but it's because we've removed our children from the system we didn't subject our children to any of this Myself, my son was going from a Welsh-speaking school to an English-speaking school during COVID. Well, I stopped him going to the next school because they were still wearing masks, and that would affect, you know, the change of language and things like that. So the people who I'm around, I'm, I'm with some common-sense people that actually do put their children first. So I can only, I can only really give positives there, and that's simply because the parents really are going the extra mile to meet their children's needs. As for the wider population, I just I really
0: couldn't say Richie, yeah. you know. No, fair enough. Good, a uh, good fair answer. Kim, by the way, has qualifications in criminology and sociology, and as she said, she's been on this uh, battle for for uh, for a decade now. Uh, I want to give it's publicchildprotectionwales.org, dot org. and on the website. Came just to, uh, to 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 finish up. If if you want to leave parents listening to this this afternoon. With a message. Um, you can take as long or as little as you need to do that. What message would you like to leave parents? Because as I said earlier, I don't think it matters. It's not exclusive to England and Wales. This is happening all over uh, the world. What would you say to parents who might not be, you know, really aware that this is happening?
8: Well, the first thing I would say is in March 2017, all four UK governments adopted comprehensive sexuality education. We are all in the same storm. We're just in different boats. We have to unite on this. There is no two ways about it. This is not a Welsh problem, just as the lesson content is not a Scotland problem. We're all facing the same issues here now. I've been using this term, you know, we start all and take them all come to Wales. This is where the war is after you know. So what happens in this country is going to set precedence for the rest of the UK. I just urge everybody to get behind this. This is the only opportunity the UK has had for the courts. So England has kicked out on a technicality. Scotland is nowhere near that at this moment in time. So I just urge everybody to get behind this. No child will be left behind. This is a UK fight. We have to do what it says on the tin. We need to unite this kingdom and change things for the better. This is doable. This is achievable. This is something that we can all actually do. And this will affect, um, this will make a dent in the wider problems in society as well. Because as you know, Richie, all roads lead back to the same place. This is very much an issue where we've all got to come forward, whether you've got children or not. If we stand back on this now, life is going to change forever.
0: Kim, brilliant to have you on again. It's publicchildprotectionwales.org. dot org. You can find Kimberly on Twitter. It's at kimberly tish. Great work. Godspeed to you, Kim, and I look forward to getting a positive update from you next time you're on
8: thank you so much for this. We really appreciate it, Richie. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. Not at all. Kimberly Isherwood live on Tuesday's Richie Allen show. The time is coming up for, uh, it's nearly 10 minutes to the top of the hour. I will be reading out your comments in a couple of moments.
1: The Richie Allen show features doctors, scientists, academics and researchers who have been banned by the legacy media. Support Richie now by making a financial contribution at richieallen.co.uk
0: Now, Angela says Kimberly is saint. She has the support of all right-thinking people. Uh, No doubt, Angela. I I still can't get my head around this. I'm not naive. I know why. Or at least I think I know why this is happening. But it's it's just, it's so insane. Yeah. The Banjo says, where is the teacher's union? The teachers should get their heads together and rebel. Uh, Do you know the teachers most likely to say this is insane are leaving the profession. At the speed of light. From what I can understand anyway. Uh, Brambo says the silence of the medical royal colleges, especially those of psychiatrists and paediatricians in the face of such barn door state-sanctioned severe emotional abuse, uh, is damning. Mind you, they have all sat on their hands during the entire scandemic, that abused everyone. Stephen asks, where would a three-year-old get an STD, sexually transmitted disease, or STI, sexually transmitted infection? Well, a politician, a Hollywood movie star, asks Steve, I'll never forget when I interviewed the paedophile hunter people about four years ago, maybe three years ago, and I, I took, when I brought the gentleman on, I planned on giving them a bit of a hard time. No, 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 not 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 to be to be an asshole like no, not to go all grandstanding like so many of the idiots in the mainstream media. No, but I wanted to go after them on the vigilante side of things. But I found the guys who came on to be very uh I thought they were very mild-mannered, they were very moderate, they were very uh approachable. And one of the things that shocked me more than anything was during the conversation they said to me that they, they, they flush out these paedophiles online using decoys. So a decoy would be an adult who goes online into, onto various websites where children might be using these websites. Obviously social media. And the decoy would pose as a young child. And the guy said to me, "Richie, we'll show you this. We'll demonstrate this, right? Um, once the decoy be- begins to to reveal, once the decoy starts posting, the pedophiles come out of the woodwork, and it's a matter of seconds and minutes. And they demonstrated this to me, and I couldn't believe it. I did believe it because I I could see it happening. I was stunned, because I would all o- I would have always imagined that." The the, the the paedophile who targets uh, children, who stalks children that, I, I would have always seen them in the minority and I remember many, many years ago after David Icke had published a book I can't remember which one and he said, you're naive if you think the child predators are such a minority he said, they of course are and remain a minority because, you know the majority of people are not paedophiles But quite a significant amount of people are. That's astonishing to me. So much so that you'd almost be terrified to have a young child. uh, To be responsible for your, your son or your daughter when they get to 9, 10, 11, 12. When they begin, you know, to be looking for the smartphone and the tablet and the laptop and all of that. Yeah. Brian says, if you want to be a different fish, you've got to jump out of the school. Isabel says if parents have no rights, then parents should not be considered responsible and be fi- financially penalised if the child isn't in school. Isabel says there's a paradox there. How can they say the parents are not re- are not responsible for the education of their children or for what their children should learn about sex? Um, well, if that's the case, then they shouldn't penalise families financially if the child doesn't turn up. And then Isabel links to a link about uh, children getting fined, or parents getting fined, for taking children out of school in Wales. Yes. Very good. Absolutely. Hi to Faisal. like to Colin. Uh, hi again to herself, who says, I disagree with you, Richie. I met a man who is the curator of a famous museum in New York City, We both missed the flight to JFK. We talked all night to catch another flight the next morning. He went through the religious conversion therapy and is now, years later, happily heterosexual. The Stonewall lobby would say that he was never truly gay in the first place and I disagree with that as well. But that's your opinion. I mean, you you, you can't say that in the course of one evening's conversation with a gentleman that you truly came to know the guy. The guy could be bisexual. You see? Um, It's an interesting perspective. The guy was gay, said he was gay, and is now happily married. You're not changing my mind on it, and that's not because I'm prone to dogma. I'm not. Um, Homosexuality's been around since man walked this earth, this globe. (laughs) It's a perfectly natural anomaly, if that isn't oxymoronic language. Uh, in my opinion. And I think, you know, I've no more to say on that today anyway. It, it, what what was I going to, yeah, okay. I'm going to take another tune. That's what I'm going to do. Grab some water. Kevin Barrett will be on your Richie Allen show in around about 10 minutes time. Just over 10 minutes. That'll be cool. The first time in 2023. Great academic, great writer is Kevin. Always up for a good old ding dong. We won't be having a ding dong today. We'll be kind of uh running down the week's biggest news stories. This is Marty Fellow and Wet 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 and No Surrender on the Richie Allen Show, live from Salford. Hey, is
5: all took to remember.
0: I'm going to join the Frisbyterian religion, the Frisbyterians. Uh, they believe that when you die, your soul goes up on a roof and you can never get it back. I robbed that from Bonio. Bonio said that many years ago at a U2 gig. Or just after a U2 gig. Frisbeetarians, yes, your soul disappears. And you can never get it back. It's six o'clock, by the way. Shall I do a quick rundown of the day's biggest stories? No? Tough shit, Paddy. Nicola Sturgeon, Jimmy Cranky to her friends, has said that the row over reforming the Gender Recognition Act will go to court the Scottish government passed the Gender Recognition Act, which would allow 16-year-olds to declare, self-declare their gender without going through any medical process or uh, having to wait a couple of years. They would only need to wait three months. The UK government... It's a bit confusing, isn't it? The devolved government in Scotland, the First Minister and the government, well, ultimately the power still really resides with, or most powers, with the actual UK government, of course, headed up by Rishi Sunak's Conservative Party. They've vetoed Sturgeon and said it ain't happening, love. And she's not happy and is threatening to take this to court. That's getting an incredible amount of coverage on the show. Not on the show, excuse me on the news wires and jigs today. Well, I've never been happier in my life. I've never been happier in my life. I've never been happier, never been happier. Why? Because there is news on your woman. There's news on herself.
6: They sweep their mess under the carpet for our generation to clean up and solve.
3: How dare you? You have stolen my dreams, my childhood with your empty words. People are suffering. People are dying. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction. How dare you? Ha. How dare
0: you? How dare you? Greta has been arrested at a pro- protest outside a western village, a western German village. She's been arrested as a lovely photograph. On the BBC of Greta being carted away by the police. i tell you what, they don't look like police officers anymore, do they? Not just uh, in Germany, but anywhere. They look like the army, don't they? They look like stormtroopers, police forces, increasingly. Do you remember I told you a story a couple of years ago? I very nearly got arrested on Liverpool Street in Salford because I was walking around minding my own business. I'll tell you something about me. I'm more likely to get into trouble when I'm in good form. You know, sometimes you'll see somebody and they'll act a bit curmudgeonly. And generally it's because they've gotten out of the bed on the wrong side or something like that, right? I'm a complete idiot. i I'm generally happy when I get into trouble and I lose me rag. I was in Liverpool Street, Salford, which is not too far from where I live, a couple of years ago. And it was a nice day. And I see these stormtroopers, three of them, getting out of a car. You should have seen them now. They were tooled up to the tits, right? With Kevlar and, I mean, they just looked like Robocops. And this wasn't an assault team now. They weren't going to grab a dangerous criminal. They knocked on somebody's door and it was about a summons. Because I could hear them talking about what they were going to say. A guy had ignored a summons and they were going to warn him that he had to show up somewhere or something like that. And I couldn't resist sticking my oar in, which is, again, unusual for some because I wasn't in bad form. But I asked them, were they proud of themselves? I said, are you proud of yourselves? I said, look, I'm going to swear now, so turn down the radio. I said, look at the fucking state of you. Where do you get the balls to go around Salford? Tooled up like that. Who are you? Are you policing by consent or are you fucking stormtroopers? That's what I said, and I did swear. One of them said, "Don't swear at me or I'll nick you." I said, "Well, fucking nick me then." Go on, I said, "I dare you to nick." I said, "You've only got three. there's only three of you there." I get a bit bullish and a bit brave, you know. I'm not really that brave. I'd have I'd have ran. <laughs> I'd have scarpered. I'd have been like uh, the road runner running up the road, but um. Yeah, but, but the female of the three, there was one woman and two men, she diffused it and she said, what's your problem with her uniforms? I said, they're not uniforms, love. I remember growing up in Ballybeg in Waterford. I remember the gansey, the navy jumper, and the shirt underneath it, and, and, and the top coat that the Garda of Shia wore. I remember coming to the UK when I was a young boy to watch soccer matches. The police looked professional. They wore uniforms. You look like fucking stormtroopers now. You know, what are you trying to do? Intimidate the population? I said, who the fuck do you think you are? Anyway, Stu, you better go home. I said, I'll go where I want. But to be honest, I did go home. I, I kind of quickly beat a hasty retreat. But it it really did piss me off to see the state of them, you know? We talked about this with respect to the United States of Amer- America, you know, which has an act in its constitution, the Posse Comitatus Act. God forgive me if I mispronounce that. And that act is supposed to protect the people from the police. The, from Sorry, from the army. It's to protect... It, the Posse Comitatus Act states that the army should never police the people. Ever. Should never be deployed to take over policing duties. But they got around that. And the way they got around it is by tooling police officers up to the tits. by By basically militarising them through their equipment and their uniforms. It's not funny this. You'll see it if you pay attention when you're out and about. You know, you might have gone to watch a concert years ago, you might have gone to watch a football match, and you might have seen them tooled up. But but primarily they would have worn their uniforms. Now it's they're tooled up everywhere. And they're turning up to places. Armed police for no reason. I'll give you an example of this. A few weeks ago I said to, to the missus why don't we take a stroll down to Media City with the dogs? Bobby had a bit of a limp at the time on, on, on her left shoulder. And it was improving. And the vet said she can have, you know, little walks. And we're very close to Media City. So he said, right, let's go down. We'll have a little walk down. We'll walk the dogs over the bridge. We'll come around then back towards the BBC. There are bars there. We'll sit outside. We'll sit inside with the dogs. Lovely. And it's lovely because people make a big fuss of the dogs and it's great crack. For no good reason whatsoever. There wasn't any visiting dignitary to the BBC. There wasn't anybody important being interviewed at the BBC buildings. I found this out. Just casually standing around Media City were armed police with all the gear, with the helmets and the blacked out visors so you couldn't see their faces. This is disgusting. This is intimidating people. You know, people who are out for a bit of a walk with their children and their dogs and sitting around having a beer. The absolute cheek of these bastards to be standing around with these guns in this country, those who are supposed to police by consent that was some rant, wasn't it, after I came on to tell you that Greta, God love her, has been arrested, yes, by police officers who look like Nazi thugs. I have no time for Greta now. That being said, I think Greta is somebody who's been psychologically abused. But she was protesting at a coal mine. The expansion of a coal mine in Lützerath in Germany. She was protesting there. With activists, and she was carried away. She's got a bit of an impish grin on her face. Doesn't look like she's too concerned, of course. There will be listeners who will say, "Ah, Ritchie, it's been staged. Sure, everything is a stage, isn't it?" Let's have a listen. Go on, Greta. You are not, alone. You are not alone. Says you are not alone. The starts to bring They're carrying Greta out. Yeah, I didn't pre-listen to that. I, I, I just wondered if if there was anything of any interest there. So Greta has been arrested, God lover. This is your Richie Allen Show. It's live on richieallen.co.uk. I'll be back with some more chat and Kevin Barrett in a moment. Hi there,
2: it's Eamon here from Immunex 365 and I just want to give you a quick update for the new year. We are now in the depths of winter and due to the lack of adequate sunlight, it is also the time when those of us living in the northern hemisphere have the lowest levels of vitamin D in our bodies. If there is ever a time to give your immune system a boost, it is probably now. Also, I am really happy to be able to tell you that not only have we been able to substantially reduce the price of Immunex 365 since we launched in October last, but we can now supply directly to Ireland. For details of how each of the supplements in Immunex365 are formulated to work together and protect you from colds, flu and other respiratory diseases this winter, just head over to immunex365.co.uk.
0: Alrighty, thank you.
1: Ask not what the BBG can do for you, but what you can do for the BBG. Support the Richie Allen Show now at richieallen.co.uk
0: I had a very, very, very small part in a film made by Hayden Hewitt called Uncle Jack. And I'm very excited because he's going to allow me in a few days, I think, I think I've read that right, that text he sent me. If I didn't read it right, it doesn't matter. But I might get a chance to have a little preview of it. It stars Bruce Jones, who's a very accomplished actor. Not just, of course, Coronation Street, but lots of stuff he's working with. Disney now. Uh, he's done everything, Bruce. And he was very, very pleasant to be around over the two days. And there were some other brilliant young men and women. its uh, I couldn't say too much about the film without giving it away, but it's a little thriller is what it is and I was very impressed with all of that, with watching it and being a big part of it so I'm kind of looking forward to seeing it now. Let's get Kevin Barrett on the line. Kevin is a notable academic he's an author a researcher and a broadcaster and he has been gracing my radio programs since 2014 in fact he was coming on tv programs with me when i was based in london he is a shrewd analyst of geopolitical affairs welcome back to the program kevin barrett how are you kevin
7: I'm Will Richie. It's always good to be on your show.
0: Ah, it's a pleasure. And it might be a bit late to do this, but uh, happy New Year, pal, and, and and I hope it's a great year for you.
7: Yeah, thank you so much, and happy New Year to you and to all of your listeners. Uh, I think your listeners are a very special group. You know, you've attracted uh, some of the sharpest uh, people in what the
0: uh, in the declining Western Empire. Critical <laughs> thinkers, Kevin. I think you've done yeah. a good job of that yourself. Can we talk about the World Economic Forum for a moment, which is meeting in Davos, as it does annually? Somebody said to me the other day, uh, the person escapes me, the name of the person escapes me, but they said they think the World Economic Forum might have kind of replaced the Bilderberg Group meetings. No, it hasn't because the Bilderberg meetings are still going on. But in terms of where the puppet politicians go to get their instructions or to get informed as to where the narrative is going to go next, do you have any sympathy with that point of view, Kevin?
7: Well, it seems that way kind of, doesn't it? Certainly the Bilderbergers get a little bit less attention now that they have noticed that people are on on them, you know, onto them. People have been you know, showing it used to be just a tiny little fringe group would show up at the Bilderberg meetings and try to inform the world about what was going on. And anybody in the mainstream who heard about it thought it was a crazy conspiracy theory. And there's actually a very amusing piece by John Ronson about that. John Ronson is sort of a professional mainstream guy who tries to make fun of conspiracy theorists, but half the time sort of has to admit that they more or less are right. And so he wrote about that. Uh, you know, he thought, he thought no, this theory that all these elites get together every year, that, you know, that no way. And then, boom, along goes, 11, here's a limousine with Kissinger, and there's a limousine with the Queen, yeah. and so on. Uh, but, yeah, now I think the WEF... Is certainly playing seemingly a bigger role than it used to, but ultimately I think it's all the same. All of these places really, I think, are just places where the oligarchy gathers and gets its orders from the upper part of the oligarchy and i don't think it's really hierarchically organized in a pyramid with like one eye at the top of the pyramid giving everybody orders i think it's just a power pyramid and then there's a a very small group at the very very top and a slightly larger group a little bit below that and so on and so forth and then they just meet at all these places and uh, share their marching orders um, with you know with that group
0: do you know what, Kevin? There's a very interesting story which came out of Build Magazine today, uh, the German magazine. It's picked up by the Mail Online. They spoke to a number of escort uh, girls, women, very high-priced escort girls, th- who provide services for 2000 $2,500. And they said that hundreds of these prostitutes, and this is a regular thing every year, come to Davos for this World Economic Forum, and they are basically passed around. They earn a lot of money. And I've got to imagine, Kevin, that those attendees, those delegates who attend the World Economic Forum, their bedrooms, their hotel bedrooms, surely they're wired for sound and vision. They must be. Absolutely,
7: yeah. You know, the U.S. was obviously run by blackmail for a long time, certainly throughout the J. Edgar Hoover era, when Hoover collected dirty pictures of all of the important, powerful Americans. And then Meyer Lansky, the head of organized crime in the Western Hemisphere, had the dirty pictures of Hoover. So essentially Meyer Lansky was the unelected dictator of the Western Hemisphere for decades. Uh, But I think it operates at a global scale as well. So, you know, Jeffrey Epstein was really just the tip of the iceberg. And a lot of it is a lot nastier than even what Jeffrey Epstein did, because these days, if... You know, if if whoever you're caught with is adult uh, or even close, you know, and, you know, human species and so on and so forth, uh, it's not that scandalous. And so they have to do really horrific things to create the scandals to blackmail people. And yeah, I think it operates everywhere. The U.S. empire has dominated the world since World War II. So the same methods at work here in the U.S. are probably at work everywhere.
0: That's an interesting point you made, which I didn't consider um most i suppose powerful people are not going to get too despondent if they're filmed with a adult human female that's a good point kevin it's got to be it's got to be a lot worse than that yeah
7: absolutely i think probably you know an un- underage uh, bestiality is is probably what they have to do now to really embarrass people and even that give it another few years as, as the pedophiles add add P to the alphabet soup, you know, LGBTQXYZ thing, and then the the bestiality people, uh, you know, present themselves as just, you know, misunderstood animal lovers, pretty soon they're not going to be able to blackmail anybody. So I guess that would be the silver lining in an otherwise very dark cloud.
0: Uh, check out Kevin at truthjihad.com. Kevin, how, d- d- somebody said to me the other day, they said... Um, you never speak about September 11th anymore, Richie. They said, you've had Kevin on, um, you know, quite a few times in 2022 and 2021. And Kevin was very instrumental in waking people up to the fact there was so much wrong with the official narrative on September 11th. And you hardly touch it, Richie. I, you didn't touch the anniversary last year. I didn't. And I suppose, Kevin, it's because I've kind of given up on, on anybody ever being held accountable for the most you know obvious false flag operation of all time D- do you agree with me is that one just one that's been missed just like JFK you know we've 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 awakened as many people to the nonsense of that story as we can and there's no point in banging on about it anymore what do you think
7: well you know richie i think talking about it along with uh, jfk and rfk is is helpful uh, in the same way that even though we can't go out and arrest the perpetrators of the jfk assassination we can certainly discredit the institutions that have continued, the institutions involved in that assassination, and likewise with 9-11. I also think we should put it in historical context, and even if we don't get the perpetrators, and hey, the 9-11 perps, are a lot of them anyway, are still alive, so there's always that possibility, but even if we don't, we can help set the stage for an eventual eventual reckoning and I think there is going to be the possibility of a reckoning at some point. I think that the U.S. empire is going down. Uh, the U.S. will have to leave uh, its occupation of the world in the same way that, that Britain had to leave its occupation of the world after World War II. And that's going to be a traumatic process. It's going to discredit the current American elites. And that's going to leave some space for going after these perps uh, behind uh Basically, the, the way the you know the empire has been mishandled as it goes down. So yeah, I think there's still a chance that some of those 9/11 perps actually could get nailed, as well as perps for various other things, including the COVID bio attack on China and Iran.
0: Let Let me just turn to the Middle East then for a few minutes. Kevin Barrett is our guest. We 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 shoot at lots of targets when Kevin uh, is on. We're, we're going to talk more about <clears throat> current affairs. We might talk a little bit about Ukraine in a few minutes' time. Kevin, I have noticed on social media lately, more than ever, videos, appalling videos, of which depict the brutal treatment of Hasidic Jews in Israel. And these are Jews who do not believe that the State of Israel has any right to exist, um, importantly. They don't believe in the, you know, stealing of uh, Palestinian families' land. I could go on, I think our listeners know this, I've never seen so much stuff in the public domain that is showing the, the brutality which is, uh, you know, often used to put down these, uh, you know, ultra or, or orthodox Jews, if you want to use that term. Why is that, do you think? Why is so much of that out there at the moment?
7: Well, Richie, I, I think that these people are the real Jews. Yeah, you know, they're 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 worshipping God, a uh, God of justice, you know, not a, a demonic entity of injustice like the Zionists do. And so I think there are actually demonic forces at work here against godly forces. Now, I know you're not really subscribed to any organized religion. Or I'm open-minded, though.
0: I'm open-minded, as you well know. Sorry, Kevin, carry on. Mm-hmm. No, I am open-minded. Go ahead. <laughs>
7: right. But yeah, I, so I, I think at least these traditional religious interpretations provide us with uh, a, a sort of a, a a basic, you know, cheat sheet, uh, you know, as a, a way we can interpret what's going on. And I actually do think that demonic forces are absolutely real and there's all kinds of evidence for that so uh my interpretation of this is that there's been a kind of demonic uh uprising over the centuries that zionism is a manifestation of that that shabtai Zvi, the self-described antichrist basically he called himself uh god but he obviously was more the opposite of god uh, in 1666, was really the first Zionist who said, "Follow me. We're going to take over the Holy Land and make it the, the you know, make it Israel," and that that was a uh, you know indication of the kind of uh, demonic revolt against God. Now, in, in the Jewish religion, God says that Jews only go back uh, to Palestine uh, peacefully, and when God. Opens it for them so that they can go peacefully, or God is basically yeah. going to almost like pick them up and set them down there. And that's not going to happen until the lion lies down with the lamb. And this sat- Satanist or satanic uh, offshoot of Judaism. That has become Zionism says, no, you know, it's like the the old hippie poster, the vulture sitting there saying, you know, screw patience. I'm gonna kill something. And so that's what the Zionists are. They're like, screw waiting for God to to you know bring bring in the millennium so everybody lives peacefully and we can live in the Holy Land. Instead, we're gonna go there and kill and expel the people who live there, take it over and plant our own messiah. Uh, on the hill after we blow up the Muschil Alexa. Now, that's just totally demonic. That's satanically inspired. And so I think Zionism is a demonically, satanically inspired movement. And the real Jews are the true Torah Jews or the Nature Carta Jews, the people that they call ultra-Orthodox.
0: Maybe you're right that some Zionists are, you know, manifestly disturbed or, or even evil. But I've known many over the years, Kevin, when they used to come on the show to speak to me, because I used to have them. You know, I used to have David Cohen was one who came on. Uh, There was another guy called David, whose surname escapes me. They were ultra-Zionists who had moved from New York City and were living in uh, Tel Aviv. They were living in other parts of Israel. And they were staunchly defending Zionism and the rights of the Jewish people to their own homeland and all of that. But they weren't evil, Kevin. I felt they were misguided and that they had been taken down a path by, by, you know, Zionists who might be manifestly Uh, disturbed or dangerous people I just find a lot of Zionists uh, and I see them on social media as well to me they've just been indoctrinated so I don't find them demonic especially
7: Yeah I think you're right actually Richie and I think that's true not only of Zionists but of people who are misled by demonic ideologies in general you know, I, I have a similar interpretation of much of the fad of uh, like you know sexual mutilation and all this sort of thing passing for liberation. And yet I think a lot of the people uh, who are misled into doing these things, and, and maybe a few of them aren't. I mean, I'm not saying that maybe there is such a thing as gender dysphoria, but I think it's extremely rare. And right now what we have is kind of a demonically inspired ideology creating a fad. Uh, Yet the people who are misled by it are not bad people. And, you know, from my perspective, maybe I've bought into some wrong things, some demonically inspired. I know I have. Back in in my past, I very clearly did. And so people are not irredeemably ruined (laughs) by simply making the wrong choice or being seduced by the wrong uh, ideology, even if it's demonically inspired. And that certainly goes for Zionists. There are plenty of Zionists who, if you know them in, in ordinary life, they're perfectly fine people.
0: Do you want to? I'll be shocked if I don't ask this. Do you want to share an example of when you, um, kind of trod that that path between what's righteous and what's demonic when you were merely on, maybe on the wrong side of it? You don't have to, by the way. But if I don't ask you, I'll be I'll be called a coward. Go on.
7: Well, there's us all sorts of examples, Richie. I mean, I, I grew up searching and looking into all sorts of different things, and just for one example. Um, I wasn't really all that far from being seduced by transhumanism. Uh, I, you know, I read a lot of science fiction. I wrote my master's thesis on Philip K. Dick. And uh, I was interested in, you know, because I didn't have a traditional religious worldview at that time, and I hadn't encountered any that were plausible, I was kind of flailing around for a substitute. And so the idea of a singularity, where, you know, the current humanity and the current world is just utterly replaced by some, whatever it is, uh, you know, AI merged with, uh, with, with uh, art, you know, artificial life and so on and so forth that, that would obliterate the reality that we have now and provide perhaps the possibility of some kind of transcendence in which we all live forever as consciousness inside some kind of uh, immortal computers or, you know, all this sort of nonsense. I was kind of not that far from buying into that. And then, of course, in terms of my overall uh, worldview, I was always torn between a kind of a spiritual sense uh, that was guiding me rightly. You know, God was guiding me through that. And then on the other hand, I was skeptical of that enough that I thought, well, you know, maybe these atheists are right. Maybe in which case, if that's true, then this uh, this super ego of mine is really just an illusion. So why shouldn't I just grab whatever I can? And I will tell you, I committed a number of property crimes uh, for which I was never caught or charged. And I uh, committed a lot of crimes against the female sex uh, as well. So, you know, that's I think that's probably pretty common. Uh, everybody i knew was constantly committing crimes by using illegal drugs so there was no yeah. respect for the law in that in that world so i could go on about my uh, No sins you don't forever.
0: have to mate you've been that you've been incredibly honest and candid there kevin and i'm fascinated by the transhumanism thing because I could understand a, a critical thinker. A, a ver- Kevin is a genius, folks. I'm not kissing his arse. Kevin Bart's a genius academic and amazing writer. And I learned about him many years ago when he had the 1st pylon that I'd ever seen in the world long before Twitter. When Kevin asked his students to just think he didn't tell them what to think he asked them to think about the what happened on September the 11th and how it was supposed to have happened and he did his job as as an academic and as a teacher but they tried to destroy him and he did amazingly well in a series of interviews on national television so um he is a genius and i i i, I can understand why Incredibly intelligent people would be seduced by transhumanism and by the idea that humans will eventually become better through the merging of the, you know, through merging with technology, whether that be physically or, you know, you know, you know, or, or otherwise, and how eventually our consciousness could be you know, could be eternal. All this stuff, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I was very interested in this stuff when I was a younger man, when I was in an academic as well. So, so it's fascinating you're bringing this up, Kevin, because transhumanism, am I right in saying this, does play a big, big, big part in where the elites, those, the architects of the agendas that we talk about, where they want to take humanity in the near future. It's a big deal, this, isn't it?
7: i think it is i think these elites are really addicted to their own power and the people who rise to the top of the political and economic and military power hierarchies tend to be exactly the wrong people that the last ones in the world that you should entrust power to they're psychopathic and power hungry and those people uh, are such control freaks that the idea of giving up which is what we all ultimately have to do when we die Um, is something that they uh, resist. Now, I I guess resisting dying is okay up to a certain point, but these people who substitute a kind of a a false mechanical uh, dream of immortality uh, and it's merging with their dream of complete control and absolute power, uh, that's really pretty unhinged. And it's a real threat to the rest of us because the kinds of technologies that they're going to use as they pursue this mad dream are uh, very real dangers to harm or even kill off uh, humanity and maybe even the
0: biosphere. Yeah, I'm fascinated by it and I I'm not going to say that it that 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 I'm scared. I'm not, but I do you know, I do pull up sharply when I see when I when I'm in supermarkets or when I when I'm at the cinema. And I see youngsters wearing the the wearable tech and when I see them using their phones to pay for things and to swap money between one another using the cash apps, I see all of this. And I see for the elites that it might be pretty straightforward to get younger generations into this stuff, Kevin, because they they, they seem to be very taken with it. Do, Do you see that yourself?
7: Oh, yes. Of course, the the people trying to profit from all sorts of things uh, target young people because young people are easier to manipulate. And once you've got them, then you've got them for life because, you know, people's behavior and views tend to be more malleable when they're younger. So they're selling uh, all of these kinds of things to the young people. And a lot of it is pretty bad. I mean, if you look at these different Manu- manifestations of you know, certain aspects of of youth culture these days. I suppose the older people always thought that. But, you know, this, you know, popularity of Andrew Tate, for example, and so on and so forth. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff out there that makes me think that the Internet technology has been more of a curse than a blessing overall, and especially uh, since it's been ruined by uh, social media. So, yeah, I think that there is a, a concerted effort to target young people and push them in a direction that's not so good for them, but maybe is uh, useful for these uh, demonic forces that are ruling the world or trying to.
0: Kevin, I've got some really interesting questions from listeners. But before we go there, who is this guy, Andrew Tate? If listeners don't know, he's an influencer, which is a catch-all term for God knows what. But he's become fairly well known for controversial podcasts and blogs in recent years. He's been called misogynistic. They've even suggested in the UK that schools need to have special assemblies to teach young men that this guy's misogyny is a bad path to go down. He posts videos with massive cars. He refers to women in derogatory ways. And... Um, He's in Romania at the moment where he has been bailed pending, I don't know, charges for allegedly trafficking women. This smells a bit to me, Kevin, whether this guy is even real or not. And maybe that's because I've just, the world is so crazy now, I don't know what to believe. What do you make of Andrew Tate?
7: Well, if he didn't exist, I guess somebody would have to invent him. He seems to be a real manifestation of the uh, overall uh, gender uh, problem, the problem in sexuality and reproduction, especially in, in in the West. but of course, it's 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 going global. And uh, you know that's a it's a huge problem,, uh, but you know to kind of boil it down with the rise of feminism, uh, kind of traditional uh, gender roles in the reproductive family forming process have gotten discredited. So all the official institutions are very anti-male, anti-heterosexual, male, anti-patriarchy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And this kind of uh, extreme, you know, woke kind of, of anti-masculinity prejudice manifesting all over the place in the divorce courts and, and all over in the popular discourse and the whole social mentality has given rise to various kinds of sort of uh, reactions and revolts from the other side, especially from these young men who, you know, they're full of testosterone. They've got the same basic, you know, uh, basics that men have always had. Uh, But the culture now doesn't support them and give them somewhere productive to go with it. You know, it's been said that the universal problem of all human cultures is dealing with young men, because, again, they've got these sky high testosterone levels, a huge amount of energy. And without guidance, they're basically just going to rape and pillage. So that's what that's why women invented the family was to harness that. Uh, testosterone-driven energy of men and use it to protect the weak, namely the reproducing women and their children. But that's all broken down now, and we've got this toxic feminist, uh, LGBTQ, et cetera, ideology going. And as a result, these young men uh, what do they do? They become so-called incels. When I first heard that expression, I thought it was a joke. <laughs> what, what? Oh, is I, it my, I, I'm a, playing the identity politics game, and my identity is a guy who can't get laid. Wow, is, that, is, that in, is that
0: involuntary celibate?
7: Is that what that means? Yeah, yeah, that's what that means. So there are all these young guys who are facing this horrible situation where the culture has just you know, gone so crazy that they no longer have a productive role. And the natural tendency is to rape and pillage, right? So you get the rape and pillage kind of psychopathic ideology promoted in a lot of gangster rap and hip hop culture. And then basically that's what Andrew Tate is doing as well. It's like saying, oh, you guys hate masculinity? Well, uh, how about I'm going to get lots of cars and lots of women and be a kickboxer and I'm going to be yeah. a tough guy. But he's basically just a psychopath. He hasn't his masculinity has not been harnessed by God and traditional family to protect the weak, which is what real masculinity really is and always has been. Maybe, uh, inshallah, he will uh, turn to that uh, more productive path. I know he's uh, says he's converted to Islam. So maybe we'll see. I mean, you know, I, it, I don't want to condemn anybody permanently. But anyway, yeah, it's, it, I think it's a really tough uh, situation these young men are in. And I kind of I feel for them because I see it, so many of them going down these dead end roads.
0: That's a fascinating evaluation of what um, Andrew Tate might be representing. You didn't say this now, but my interpretation would be this kind of programme to emasculate men and leave men bewildered as to what their role is. And you've brilliantly described, and I know some listeners probably won't agree with it, but you know how women kind of formed uh, the role of men. It's a Very, very interesting stuff. I'd love to dedicate a whole programme to this, but... Um, I think you described it brilliantly. And at the same time, this is going on. Men being kind of isolated and not understanding their role. And maybe then some men turning to this incel um, kind of extreme kind of point of view. And maybe then attacking women. You've also got a big sea change in pornography in the last 20 years. My, When I was a young boy, th- there was always a friend who had a pornographic VHS tape. And the pornography then was very soft stuff. It was very gentle stuff. It was uh, obviously very, very silly music, very uh, kind of cliched music. And the man would undress the woman, and they would have sex. And your parents, if they caught you watching the VHS, and um, they would take, in my case, a wooden spoon, and um, you know, hammer you with the wooden spoon for for watching it. But it was, you know, pretty simple. Pornography now on many of the home pages of the porn sites, and I have looked at this stuff, um, it's brutally violent stuff, Kevin. And that is the majority uh, offered up on pornography sites. It is brutally violent stuff. Do you think it's connected, this?
7: Yeah, undoubtedly. This repression of the natural masculine, uh, and, and especially this repression of masculinity uh, being harnessed, into uh, paternity and patriarchy, which, by the way, Richie, is a really good thing. Rule by fathers is precisely what you want, because the only alternative to that is rule by men who are not fathers, that is the strong, and they're basically bandits who rape and pillage. So this is, you know, we're living in, in, in a gendered species where one gender has 30 times as much testosterone on the average as the other, and uh, stronger muscles and uh, brain-wired for kind of intense hunting, uh, you know, using uh, really, you know, using logic to track things down and kill them and gain power and do so in bands of other predators. That's, that's what males are. And we've traditionally harnessed ourselves by, you know, turning men into fathers, people who care for the weak, care for their children, care for their wives. And uh, that uh, strength then becomes tempered by love and justice And because that's all been banned by this anti-patriarchy thing, then what we're left with is, you know, men have a choice of either being castrated or becoming gangsters like Tate and and these uh, gangster rappers. And that's that's really a pretty lousy choice.
0: Loads of interesting comments on this. Patrick disagrees. He says, Kevin, there's always been a divine feminine and a divine masculine and it's an imbalance between the left and right hemisphere of the neocortex in Patrick's opinion. He says Tate is probably simply a male chauvinist pig. Now you might want to come back on that in a moment, but let me read a few more. Colin says, absolutely the youths are being targeted because they're easier to control and more likely to comply. So why fear for the next generation? All they've got to do is wait for the older generation to die off. Call me a cynic says, Colin... Chris says even Elon Musk of Starlink and Neuralink fame asserted that with artificial intelligence we are summoning the demons. Was he outing himself as a demon, asks Chris. That's a really interesting point. And Bruce says the transhuman agenda simply plays on humanity's collective amnesia with regards to... who we are or who are we? Where do we come from? Where are we going? And most look outside of themselves for the answers. Isabel's got a really interesting question, which I'll come to before the end of the programme. Patricia, a father, how you doing Patricia? She asks, is it wrong to suggest that the line between Judaism, the religion and Zionism, the political movement, has been purposely And cleverly blurred that's an excellent point too brilliant stuff patricia but patrick's point there about always being divine feminine divine masculine uh, what we're seeing is an imbalance between the left and right hemisphere of the neocortex and tate is probably just simply a male chauvinist what do you say kev well that's an interesting point
7: it's true that hemispheric dominance is related to sex uh, there's a book called The Alphabet Versus the Goddess by a neurosurgeon named Schlein, Leonard Schlein, who worked at UC San Francisco. He, I guess he's passed away, unfortunately. The book is really good. It goes into the uh, history of how l- literacy, and, and especially mass literacy, seems to sort of rewire the brain to intensify the left hemisphere dominance that is uh, already there naturally in men. That is, the left hemisphere of uh, the brain is much more linear, and so left hemisphere thinking is used in hunting, for example. You know, using uh, pursuing clues and getting a strategy going to hunt down the game and kill it. It's used in warfare. These are masculine pursuits, and in uh, kind of normal pre-literate societies. And remember, humans are not naturally literate. Literary, literacy is a bizarre technology that only came around very recently and rewired our brain. So before there was literacy. Men had more left hemisphere dominance than women uh, and not having so much left hemisphere dominance means that you have better intuition, you have more communication between the two hemispheres, which has always been an advantage of women. Well, with literacy, what that did was it put the left hemisphere dominance on steroids, it made men into super predators, super hunters, super killers, and super logical with absolutely no connection to their own emotional intu- uh, intuition and their kind of gestalt sensing uh, and and even you know ESP and so on, which women have always had more of, but however, Uh, with mass literacy for women, the women too have been given left hemispheres pumped up on steroids. So the women are suddenly much more super rational, super logical, cold, capable of competing in the workforce and capable of doing the hunting and the military stuff if necessary, et cetera, et cetera. So we've rewired human brains for all of them to be more quote unquote masculine, which means more hunter killer, more dominant seeking, uh, more, uh, you know, and so that, Process, I think has contributed to the problem and Shlain thought that it was going to get better as the new technologies like the internet had people looking at pictures more and reading text less. But frankly, uh, I don't see that happening.
0: <laughs> you don't see it happening anytime soon. It's 18 minutes to the top of the hour. We've got Kevin for another five, six minutes. It's great to have him on com. But Kevin, I will ask you for your Substack address in a moment. Isabel has a question. We can be brief with this one, I think. And then I want to ask you a little bit, a little bit about Ukraine before we finish up. Isabel asks, Richie, did Kevin manage to get in touch with the very interesting childhood friend he mentioned in a previous show? Kevin.
7: <laughs> which which childhood friend that I mentioned? Well, see, this child? is the
0: thing. I, I I I I've always said the thing to do is fess up when you don't know. I'm embarrassed to say that I can't remember that, and I am a listener. I like listen. I mean, I love listening to you, but I don't remember that. I'll ask Isabel uh, later on. I'll send her a message, and maybe we'll pick it up on another show. But um, it's also possible that Isabel might be thinking of another guest. So we'll park that one there for now. I was speaking to Dr. Paul Craig Roberts recently, um, and I was speaking to other guests about Ukraine and Russia. Now, I'm not... Look, I believe that this time last year, Russia invaded Ukraine. I believe that happened. But I've come to believe in recent months that despite tales of very heavy battles in certain parts of the country and losses on either side, Kevin. I've come to believe that, in fact, very little is happening in the country, not because of the weather and because of the winter, but because on some level, there's some wag the dog situation going on there. And that this is not the big war that we've been told... That it is. In fact, I was speaking to Michael Rivero about this as well, and he said, "You're wrong, Richie. You're wrong. There is a big battle going on there, and it's because of Putin. It's because of Russia's historic grievances about NATO encroaching further and further east. Which, of course, I get all that. But 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 this situation in Ukraine suits the World Economic Forum Great Reset uh, agenda, and I'm wondering if all isn't as it seems with that conflict kevin i hope i've explained myself am i am i an idiot or is there some merit to my to my concern
7: well you could be right richie i mean i'd be interested in hearing evidence for that view um, I, I, have I would known, lean towards my neuro- own
0: opinion sorry buddy to intro- i should never interrupt you like that okay. no, i just wa- i just want to point out i have no evidence <laughs> Oh, okay. I thought you were going to give me something. No, absolutely no. Do you know what I said to Michael? Now, Michael did send me some images later on, some videos of what appeared to be a group of people firing tanks into the distance, firing mortars. But that doesn't tell me who is on the receiving end of those mortars. I'll tell you what it is, Kevin. When we've had conflicts over the years reported by the news media, we get an awful lot of action footage. We get very little, if any, coming out of Ukraine. So I don't have any real evidence. It's all circumstantial. Sorry.
7: Mm-hmm. Well, you you can see some action footage, at, if you want to, at the sites that feature a sort of a pro-Russian slant, like the Saker and uh, Andrei Martinov site and Larry Johnson site and Moon of Alabama and so on. You can see some action footage, but yeah, that that is interesting. I have friends who don't believe anything is real unless there's lots and lots of footage on the Internet proving it was real. And so they doubt all sorts of things that supposedly happened. But frankly, I I think that it really is more or less uh, as big a war as they say, maybe in some ways bigger, because this is really stage one of the takedown of the U.S. empire. I think the U.S. is most likely going to lose because we have less of a dog in the fight. We have less skin in the game than the Russians do. If the Russians lose, Russia is broken up and dead. It's the end of their country, and so they would go all the way And as Putin said, you know, I'll I'll use the nuclear weapons because, you know, what's the use of a planet if there's no Russia on it? And the U.S. does not have that much skin in the game. The U.S. can still survive uh, and be a a whole country without uh, winning in Ukraine. So I think the Russians are ultimately going to win because in the game of chicken, uh, the U.S. is going to have to swerve first. And then the next stage would be uh, China reincorporating Taiwan and This process will see the U.S. then go bankrupt as the U.S. dollar, which is currently a global reserve currency and functions as a kind of a de facto imperial tribute paid by the entire world to the money masters that is going to disappear. There will be a catastrophic economic implosion of U.S. power. The U.S. will no longer be able to pay for 800 military bases all over the world, pointing guns at the heads of every world leader. And essentially what will happen to the U.S. will be the same thing that happened to Britain after World War II, end of empire. So, yeah, I think this is a really big war and it's the first of a couple of battles that this may go on for a decade or so that will see the fall of the American empire.
0: I'm, I'm terrified of China. We, we might go into that for two minutes in a moment. But um, listen, you might very well be right. And like I said, I don't have any evidence for for my contention it's just that the conflict has led to obviously an increase in global food prices which has been felt i think most harshly certainly in the uk uh, in any case and it's also you know led to this big, huge increase in, in in energy prices which is really screwing people in this country and i suppose to 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 to, to a similar extent maybe in ireland and yet these governments want to 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 prolong this uh, whole situation which is miserable and is devastating our economies by sending tanks and and weapons and and that to to ukraine it just makes no sense to me kevin
7: well it makes no sense to a rational person but to a power hungry neocon who thinks that their purpose in life is to expand the power of their particular empire i guess what they seem to think is that they're going to take down russia first and then they'll be in a position to deal with China, and that way they'll get what they want, which is the new American century. That's what they named their think tank that called yeah. for a, a new Pearl Harbor uh, one year before 9-11. And so the, these neocons are fanatical adherents of the Wolfowitz Doctrine, which is that the U.S. must use all possible means to prevent the emergence of not only a, a peer competitor, but even a regional hegemon anywhere in the world. So what that means is that the US has to keep Taiwan as a de facto American protectorate rather than allow it to be brought back into China because China would become a regional hegemon in East Asia if it did reincorporate Taiwan and of course expands its economic and military power. So what you're seeing here is a a global chess game and the neocons seem to think that they can win this game by simultaneously waging war on Russia, China, and Iran. Right now, the war on Russia is in high gear Through Ukraine, but they're also waging war on China and Iran as well. A lot of it is, you know, below the surface of the iceberg. Uh, One aspect of the U.S. war on China was the biological attack on Wuhan and then Qom, which was where COVID came from. Uh, the U.S. is trying to make sure China's economy doesn't continue to grow at double digits, which would be spell total doom for the U.S. empire. So these neocons are using extreme drastic means to try to prolong the uh, existence of the American empire. You know, just as the British fought World War II to try to keep the British empire going, it didn't work. And this isn't going to work for the Americans either.
0: I'm not going to get into the argument with you about what, why the British did what the British did in World War II, but I see it slightly differently. Final word from you. We've got about two minutes left. I I look at what the Chinese first of all I don't believe that the, that the Iranian government or the Iranian people, even if there are things that happen in that country which I do not like, right? I don't believe that Iran is an existential threat to anybody. Uh, The Chinese, I'm not so sure to be honest. I I deplore utterly how the Chinese people are treated by the, I'm going to say it, the regime over there. And I wouldn't be thrilled about the idea that China would enjoy some sort of hegemony in the future and it would become the global superpower. A Final word to you on that and, and do let us know the Substack address, Kevin. It's been brilliant as always.
7: Well, thank you so much, Richie. Yeah, and and people, if if people want to contact me, they can go to my Substack and then send an email. Once you subscribe and get a free subscription, you have a a link that you can just email me and it pops into my email box. And that's Kevin Barrett. It's all run together, K-E-V-I-N-B-A-R-R-E-T-T at substack.com. And I I did just uh, put out a piece on this uh, fall of the u.s empire and what i see emerging from it would not be the whole world ruled by china but rather a uh, world with multiple regional hegemons with the u.s being a regional hegemon in the western hemisphere and i guess europe would kind of run its own neighborhood and uh, in the uh, west asia or the middle east some call it i think we'll see turkey and iran being the two major powers Uh, And so I I don't think that's necessarily so bad. I think that the technological threat that you're alluding to in terms of this mind control, total social control, which we see in kind of extreme form in some respects in China, I think that's pretty universal. And I I think that's something we're all going to have to find a way to deal with. And I don't think it really even matters that much whether it's psychopathic Western oligarchs who are using it or whether it's uh, only slightly better Chinese well said who are using it. Well
0: said. Our psychopaths love that Chinese social credit model, don't they? They love it. And they want to roll it out here. Kevin, give us the Substack address again, please. Okay, kevinbarrett.substack.com. Thanks for your time today. Love having you on, pal. You can talk about anything. Give our regards to Rabia, and I look forward to next time. Thanks so
7: much, Richie. Keep up the great work.
0: You too, Kevin. Great pleasure. Dr. Kevin Barrett live on Tuesday's Richie Allen show. The time is eight minutes to the top of the air. Love having him on. What was I going to do now? Oh, yeah, I was going to do this very briefly.
1: Ask not what the BBG can do for you, but what you can do for the BBG. Support the Richie Allen Show now at richieallen.co.uk.
0: Lovely. Yeah. Where are the comments gone? Where are they? Let me bring them up for you there now. Gareth says the Ukraine war is part of the Great Reset. Uh, China overpowering the US as part of the Great Reset. The plan is to roll out the technocracy or to, to take China's technocracy and roll it out throughout the world. So it's Gareth. Uh, point well made, Gareth. And Kevin made that point not long after you posted that comment. It is meant to come here. And this is why I've argued over the years, you know, that none of the... Like when when Russia intervened in Syria... I could argue, and I did argue, that was a good thing, right? Because it prevented the West, the United States, NATO overthrowing Syria. But it didn't mean that the government in Syria and its previous governments were good governments, were benign. I don't believe any government is benign. And I do believe, and I can't prove this, it's just theory, that every government in the world is controlled. Now, when I put this to Dr. Paul Craig Roberts the other night, Paul is brilliant. And his answer to it was was this. I've got to paraphrase him. He said, if you're right, Richie, and I don't think you are, he said, but if you are right, he said, we're screwed, aren't we? If they're all controlled vicariously by the architects of the agendas we talk about. And I believe on some level they are. And I think the COVID response you know, the global COVID response is some, goes some way to proving my theory. But again, it probably doesn't. And again, I could be I could be wrong, you see. But they all worked in lockstep now. There are listeners who will say, ah, Richie, the Russians didn't, you know, they didn't force or attempt to coerce their people into taking a jab. The Russians didn't buy the Pfizer jabs. They developed their own jabs. You might be right. In fact, you are right when it comes to the jabs. But it doesn't mean that the Russian government isn't controlled by the elements, the the people we we talked about. This is all theory. Ultimately, it's all it is. You know? And, um, yeah. What a fascinating conversation with Kevin Barris. The, The time even is coming up to four minutes to the top of the hour. I want to say a big thank you to Kimberly Isherwood for coming on the programme earlier on, talking about that very serious issue about religious and sex education in schools. You can find out more about Kim at publicchildprotectionwales.org and it's at Kimberly Tish on Twitter. And if you go to substack.com and just look for Kevin Barrett, Kevin has given you the details already. You will no doubt find them and you can follow him on there. I'm back with you tomorrow, Wednesday, at the same time, 5 o'clock UK time. Thanks for spending some of your time with me today. Have a lovely rest of your Tuesday and take care of yourselves and one another. It's bye for me. Sloan Tommel, as we say back home. Bye now.